free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. This is the Restoration Hour with your host, Pastor Eli James of EurofolkRadio.com. Today is March the 4th, 2023, and I posted the link in the chat room of the show topic for today. It's going to be a treatise by the rabbis. Oh, <laughs> the, title, the title of it is, How Judaism Emerged from Hebraism by the Holy Half-Breed. The Holy Half-Breed, I guess, is the idea that half-breed Jews are holy. <laughs> okay. And if you caught this morning's show on Genesis to Revelation, you know that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah clearly forbid race mixing and say it's an abomination to Yahweh that the Holy Seed should mix itself with other other races, other ethnic, ethnic groups. Yet for the Jews, this is a good thing. And it just proves, once again, that Judaism is a fictitious concoction of rabbinical nonsense. That's all it is. And yet we've been having to put up with this fictitious concoction since, essentially, the publication of the Schofield Reference Bible when that Bible was pushed on the various Christian seminaries who kept on pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until it has become the common thing for Christians to believe that the Jews are Israelites. And the the, the faithful uh, Christians never believed any such thing before 1900. And the faithful Christians considered the Jews to be antichrist and Christ killers, deiciders, etc., etc. So neither of those two groups, Christians and the Jews, would give each other the time of day. And I also did on Yahweh's Covenant People last Friday a show about uh, the mayor of a Polish city in the 1800s who complained how the Jews were persecuting and uh, manipulating and taking advantage of the Polish peasants by lending them money and making them poor by not having uh, jobs available for them. So they would lend them money. They couldn't earn the money to pay back their loans. And so the Jews foreclosed on their property, etc., etc. I mean, this is still going on today, but nobody points out that it's the Jews doing these things, except those of us in Christian identity. And a few white nationalists who are Jew-savvy and getting more Jew-savvy as the day goes by. So anyway, this is 
you know, what we're experiencing right now. But first, I would like to point out from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul is talking about the Jews and how evil they are, how they are contrary to all men. I'm going to be starting at 1 Thessalonians 2.9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Okay, so he, he's saying that we wouldn't be indebted to you for you know, any of your any of our deeds. We, we worked. We worked for our trouble. Verse 10. Ye are witnesses, God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Yes, we have to be very humble <laughs> when we're trying to preach to unbelievers and to believers as well. Verse 11, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthily or worthy of God, who hath called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Okay, so you have to be an Israelite. He's talking to his Israelite brethren. And in verse 14, he calls them his brethren. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ, Jesus, for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. Now pay attention to the grammar here. I'm going to repeat this so you understand the distinction that Paul is making here. Verse 14. For ye, brethren, he's addressing the people that he's talking to as his racial brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things, you Israelites, you brethren, whether they be Judahites or Israelites, ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. Yeah, as we are today, we are suffering evil done to us by our own countrymen, by people of our own race. And then he says, even as they have of the Jews. Okay? So his countrymen have suffered at the hands of the Jews just as they have at, at each other's hands. And this brings about you know, the, the same story that Peter told to the uh, Israelites assembled at Pentecost in 33 AD, where he says, Israelites, you participated in the execution of the Messiah. And then it says, they were cut to the heart. Now, would a Jew be cut to the heart? Do Jews feel guilt for what they do to us, 
whom they call the Goyim? No, they just are murderous and troublesome and arrogant to us all the day long. They kill us and maim us with their shots, with their wars, all the day long, and they do so mercilessly. So here again, here Paul is making a distinction between the people he's addressing, namely the Israelites, and the Jews. The Jews are a different group of people. Of course, we know if you read the Gospels, the Jews... Jesus refused to walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him, right? That's John 7, 1. It wasn't the Romans who sought to kill him. It wasn't the Judahites or Israelites who happened to be living in Judea or staying in Judea at that time. It was the Jews who sought to kill him. So whenever we see this word, this expression, the Jews, we're talking about that group of people who are led by the scribes and Pharisees, the Edomites, the Herodians. These are the Jews that Paul is talking about here. And he continues, verse 15, who both killed, who killed the Lord Jesus Christ? It wasn't the Judahites. It was the Sanhedrin. It was Caiaphas and the Pharisees who put Jesus to death, who had the illegal trial. They tried him at night and in private. All of these are violations of Yahweh's law. It's because these Edomites don't give a damn about Yahweh's law. They only care about their own power, just as Lucifer is only concerned about his own power, and he has no mercy on anybody else. And anybody who attaches itself to Lucifer slash Satan is taking a great risk because we know that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire along with him, his followers, okay? Again, let me start this verse 15 over again. Who both killed Yahshua Messiah and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not God and are contrary to all men. Don't the Jews hate the Goyim? Don't they even reject the black Hebrews who want to become citizens of the Israeli state? They are contrary to all men in all they say and do. And we're going to be discussing that here in tonight's show. And finally, verse 16. Forbidding us to speak to the nations that they might be saved. Aren't they doing the same thing today? The Jews are forbidding us to preach Christianity so that the white people, the true Israelites of the world, might be saved. To fill up their sins always, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. Okay? So, Paul understands, just as in the book of Revelation it says that these Edomites, and Yahshua says the same thing in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the wheat and the tares, that they will be cast into the fire and burnt. So there is no disagreement between Paul, Yahshua, the apostles, or anybody else. That is a lie. In fact, that lie that Paul reinvented Christianity 
is a Jewish lie. That's an invention of the Jewish mind to confuse Christians as to whether they should follow Jesus or Paul. Well, if you understand Paul correctly, you can follow either or both. And you will, because he preaches the risen Christ, he preaches the risen Christ. No doubt about it, okay? But it's Christ, it's Jesus that the Jews hate so much that they hate also anybody who uh, follows his teachings, okay? So before we get into that document, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, First of all, I'm working on the, I've done the, audio recording of Pontius Pilate and the Jews, and that is available on Eurofolk Radio. It's in three parts, and uh, it is under the special projects heading, and it's the autobiography of Pontius Pilate and how he hated the scribes and Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, and in fact loved Jesus. He declared Jesus innocent every time he was confronted by the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and their leader Caiaphas, the one who illegally tried Yahshua Messiah. So we see, if you actually read Pontius Pilate's autobiography, you will find that he likes Christ, he has no argument against Christ, but he hates the Jews who were persecuting him. That is the reality of the situation, that is exactly what the Gospels tell us, and this is what his autobiography tells us. So, again, the Jews are liars, evil liars who pretend to be Israel and pretend to be God's chosen people when they, of course, are the synagogue of Satan. So, I am working on creating a still shot video of this three part series that's going to be up on archive.org. The first two uh, episodes are already up. And I just have to finish uh, turning turning the fourth one into a still shot video. And that will be available. I'm going to share that on various uh, you know, outlets, programs like Gab and uh, and others. Wherever I can get it on, online, uh, BitChute, etc. Because this information needs to get out. And the more vi- it's, you obviously hold people's attention with video better than with mere audio. So that's why I'm doing this. I'm learning how to make still shot videos. And I've done a few regular videos, but uh, they take a lot more preparation and uh, you know, uh, shots that uh, have to be put on the screen, at least the type of work that I do. I suppose I could videotape uh, everything I do, but uh, I, I still make a mistake occasionally, <laughs> right? And actually, uh, your folk radio, uh, uh, no, I'm not speaking of the Archco volume. This is actually the actual autobiography of Pontius Pilate. Uh, it's not contained in the Archco volume. There may be sections of it contained in the Archco volume. Well, here, let me just switch uh, to my other browser that contains this. Okay, so... This is archive.org slash details slash Pontius Pilate and the Jews, part two, which I just put up. And this is, I'm not sure exactly of the URL, 
but I think if you just type into archive.org forward slash E underscore James underscore ANP or just Eli James or Eurofolk Radio, any combination of those that should get you there. But uh, I'll have to, because since I just started using this, I, I haven't written down the exact path to get to this. I, I will do that you know, after I'm done with part three. But yeah, this is the autobiography of Pontius Pilate and the Jews. Okay, this is his impression of the Jewish people when he uh, when he ruled in in Judea as the legate of uh, Rome. Okay, so uh, very good stuff. I think that's uh, yeah. It should be, yeah, yeah. You can uh, like I said, you can listen to the audio uh, that we have up on Eurofolk Radio as well. All right, so let's get back to, okay, a couple more announcements. Okay, uh, Brother Abair has got his 2023 solar calendar calendar up, and you can get a copy of that from me by sending a check for $25 to ANP 900 Commerce Place, Box 1016, Forsyth, Illinois, Six two five three five, and several people who've received it have really enjoyed it. Again, that's twenty five dollars to A N P, nine hundred Commerce Place, Box ten sixteen, Forsyth, Illinois, six two five three five. And also, since my fourth edition of the my fantastic book, the best book ever written about the Bible, The Great Impersonation by Yours Truly. Fourth edition is out. Just go to moneytreepublishing.com and browse the page they have, and you'll find my book. I think it's the second book listed at the moment. Okay, and it's selling pretty well. We've sold over 73 copies since we first published about a month ago. So this is also something that needs to get out there in the world at large. People need to know that the Jews are impersonating Israel. This is probably the most important message that we Christians have ever promoted. The great impersonation of Esau Edom pretending to be Israel. Okay? And of course, there are cousins, the Ashkenazi Jews, who never even set foot in Palestine until they invaded it in 1948 or thereabouts, okay? So that's what the, the, we're, we're dealing with here at Eurofolk Radio constantly because this truth needs to get out. All right, so let's get into this document because we need to understand how the Jews think. The Jewish mind is very devious. They play word games, They redefine words, they invent words, and then they insert these words into the translations of Scripture as if that was a good translation. So again, this is the holy half-breed for descendants of intermarriage exploring Jewish heritage. Now, it's interesting that the Jewish state says their definition of a Jew is 
a Jew is someone who is born of a Jewish woman. And it doesn't matter who the father is. So those offspring of a Jewish woman can be half-breeds. In fact, all Jews are half-breeds because they're not a pure race. They're all types of of mixed breed is what they are. And they're not pure-blooded Israelites or Judahites. And they don't even teach that Israelites need to be pure-blooded because they aren't. And if people realize that to be an Israelite, you have to be a pure-blooded descendant of one of the tribes of Israel. And to be a Judahite, you have to be a pure-blooded descendant of the tribe of Judah, patrilineally, not matrilineally, okay? You cannot be an Israelite if you are not of pure blood descent. That's that's the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches, folks. But if your pastor isn't teaching that, then there's something wrong with your pastor. Okay, so the title of this article is How Judaism Emerged from Hebraism and other stuff about the Talmud that you might not know. Well, most people don't know anything about the Talmud, and so maybe we'll learn something from this Jewish author here. Uh, Doesn't say the name of the author. It's just giving us the website. And it begins, quote, The written Torah, or Tanakh, contains the five books of Moses, Nevi'im, prophets, and Ketuvim, writings or scrolls. The oral Torah, or Mishnah, was created long before the Hebrews were taken to Babylon in captivity, circa 586 B.C. Now, that's interesting, because there's not a word in Scripture about this, about an oral tradition. Not a single word. Yet the Jews teach that their Babylonian Talmud, their so-called Mishnah, stems from the oral so-called Torah. Well, if that's the case, then their oral Torah bears zero resemblance to the written Torah. And that's really odd. You would think that their oral Torah would resemble the written Torah, but it does not it deviates from the written Torah almost universally. But it's interesting, he says here, that this was created long before the Hebrews were taken to Babylon in captivity, circa 586 B.C. Could he be really saying that this oral Torah was invented in Babylon before the Israelites, the Judahites, were taken to Babylon? Is that what he's really saying? And, of course, the fractional reserve banking system was invented in Babylon, I should say perfected in Babylon, by these same Talmudic priests from Babylon. Okay? So he couldn't be actually admitting that the oral Torah goes back to Babylon before the house of Judah was taken there. But let's continue There's a parenthetic expression here. The word Mishnah comes from the Hebrew root for repeat because it was transmitted orally from teacher to student. Okay? But 
was it re- repeated orally by Israelites or Judahites? And we know that this tradition is Jewish, not Judahite, nor Israelite. From that perspective, it is totally bogus. So the Babylonian Talmud, their Mishnah, is absolutely bogus. We know that for sure because we know they've already admitted that they don't follow the patrilineal <laughs> reckoning that the house of Judah and house of Israel still follow today. And they prove that they're not Israel in numerous ways. All you have to do is pay attention. And then he says, the Mishnah was put into writing circa 200 AD by Rabbi Judah Hanasi. Okay, so the Mishnah was put into writing only around 200 AD. And so do the Jews have better memories <laughs> than we do? I don't think so. But this is all fiction, folks. There was no oral tradition among the, the Judahites. Moses actually condemned any tradition that violates anything he wrote down. That's Deuteronomy 4.2. And, of course, the Jews ignore that condemnation. Continuing. Discussions about the Mishnah, which include the parts of the Torah from which the Mishnah is derived. Okay, so they're admitting that the Mishnah is only derived partially from the Torah. The Torah is, of course, the five books of Moses, the law, that Moses gave, and nobody else gave it but Moses. Discussions about the Mishnah are called Gemara from the word Mara, meaning to learn or study. The Gemara is written in Aramaic. Unlike the Mishnah, which is relatively brief, the Gemara is long, convoluted, and meanders off-topic. As, for example, in the Rules for Blessings, in which we find a lesson about why it is wrong to embarrass another person, and by another person to mean another Jew, Together, the Mishnah and Gemara comprise the Talmud. Okay, so this is giving you a little bit of a history of how the Talmud got put together. So we have the Mishnah and the Gemara, which was written in Aramaic, not Hebrew. In the Gemara, the rabbis dissected the Mishnah to determine what it said about Torah law. Although we find 36 ways to incur the death penalty in the Torah, and many in the Mishnah, the rabbis in the Gemara gave so many rules to the courts that it became almost impossible to carry out the death sentence. Well, certainly of a Jew, because Jews declare that they can't do anything wrong. So how can you put the death sentence on a Jew? In fact, the Jews have their own law, which they keep to themselves, and it's not biblical. So in all of their ghettos, Wherever the Jews are, they live in ghettos. They do not uh, assimilate with the rest of society. And they have court proceedings against their own when necessary. But I'm not aware that they've ever carried out a death sentence. So maybe it's because of what this author is saying, that they have so many rules. And the more rules you make, the sooner or later you contradict yourself. 
and the rules contradict each other. That's why law should be very simple and straightforward and not convoluted. And what we have today is Jewish law in our courts, don't you know? But much of the law we have today is actually dictated to our Congress critters by the ADL. The law is actually written by the ADL and handed over to our Congress critters for passage. That's how it really works today. So, so the Jews are good at writing new laws for other people because we know that the Jews never obey their own laws or the laws of God or the laws of the nations that they live in. They're always on the take, on the lookout, on the con, so to speak, to con their way out of obeying the existing laws. They are grifters. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, they, they forgot. They forgot that the Talmud consists of the Mishnah, the Gemara, and the grifters. The Mishnah contains six sections called orders, or sederim, or sederim, as in seder or sedur. These sections are tzadaim, seeds, laws about agriculture and blessings over food. Now, since the Jews don't know anything about agriculture, <laughs> they hate farming, they have never farmed, but they can perform blessings over food. And these are all rituals that they have invented after the Torah. Moed, times and festivals, laws for the Sabbath, holidays and fasts. Nashim, women, laws about marriage, divorce, contracts and vows. And there, I have to recite the one prayer that the male rabbis cite, thank God I was not born a woman. <laughs> okay. You think that Judaism believes in equal rights for women? You better think otherwise, folks. The the women in the uh, Hasidic communities have to walk on the other side of the street. They have to ride in the back of the bus, etc. No equality of male and female in the Hasidic community. I guarantee you that. that and the Hasidic community is the one that obeys all this Talmudic nonsense. Nezikin damages civil and criminal law. Perki Avot, ethics of the fathers, is in this section. Kodashim, holy things, laws of kashrut and temple sacrifices. Oh, they want that third temple so bad so they can resume their temple sacrifices. Finally, Toharot, purity, ritual purity laws. Okay, so the Jews can take all the baths they want. They won't cleanse their evil souls, their guilty, evil souls. There's no way to cleanse that. Each order is divided into smaller books called tractates. The tractates are divided into chapters. The chapters are divided into smaller numbered sections called Mishnayot. The entire Mishnah is made up of thousands of Mishnayot. Parts of the Mishnah do not have a Gemara, as in Pirki Avot, but when it appears, the commentary refers to both the Torah portion from which it is derived and the Mishnah itself. Okay, so at this point, I can say with absolute confidence that Talmudic rabbis 
and the Torah scrolls they have in their synagogues. These Torah scrolls are nothing but show because they do not follow the laws of Moses. They follow their own interpretations of the laws of Moses. And I guarantee you that the rabbis have made exceptions for themselves for every single law that Moses wrote so that they don't have to obey these laws. Okay, and here's a very good admission. Our rabbis lived in both Babylon and Judea and discussed the Mishnah in both places. Since we have, or hence, we have two Talmuds, the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. Citations from Talmud indicate which of the two, the Bavli by default, and the tractate and folio or daf, an Aramaic word for plank, board, or oar, because the arrangement of words on the page resembles an oar, with the Mishnah at the top, the Gemara below, together forming a T-shape with comments of later medieval rabbis uh, to the side. So, we see that the Talmud is a compilation of rabbinical commentaries on the Bible, the vast majority of which have nothing to do with Mosaic Law. And if they do have something to do with Mosaic Law, are almost 100% in violation of Torah. And then, but then they have the audacity to say that Torah and Talmud are equal. And of course, if I wrote my own law by commenting on the Bible, and then I would equate what my own writings of the law and my deviations and commentaries on it with what Moses wrote, I think most Christians would think I am some kind of egotist or pretender, right? But the rabbis don't think of themselves as pretenders. They think of themselves as superior to Moses. If only the Christians knew these things. But that's why we're here, to expose these things. So let's continue. The Talmud is the beginning of Jewish law. The Torah describes Hebraic law. Now remember the distinction I pointed out at the top of the show that Paul makes between his brethren, the Israelites, and the Jews? Here, this author is admitting that there is a big difference between Jewish law and Torah law. He say the Torah describes Hebraic law or Israelite law, Mosaic law. But the Talmud is the beginning of Jewish law, which is, of course, different from Hebraic law. So like kosher, kosher law, for example, is Jewish law, not biblical law. There might be one or two kosher laws that actually follow biblical food laws, but the vast majority of the kosher laws do not. And the confrontation that Yahshua had with these rabbis in his day, such as you have to wash your hands before eating, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Torah. 
It only says that in the Mishnah, or the Gemara, the two together known as Talmud. In it, namely the Talmud, the rabbis needed to determine the best way to preserve their religion, their religion, which is different from Mosaic religion, once there was no longer a temple at which to worship. Now, the Christian Judahites and Israelites had no problem with the lack of a temple. Why? Because the Messiah put an end to the sacrifices. But the Jews don't accept Yahweh, Yahshua as the Messiah. They do not accept him as Messiah. Therefore, they cling to their temple rituals, which they are dying to, uh, are dying to kill <laughs> sacrificial animals all, all over again. Never, even though the Messiah was predicted in Daniel and many other places, Yahshua fulfilled well over 100 prophecies. And the odds against one single person fulfilling even a single one of these prophecies from the Old Testament are humongous. And when you double you know, every time another prophecy was fulfilled by him, and there are, are hundreds of them in the New Testament, that uh, the odds are you know astronom- astronomical that he could fulfill a number of those, okay? But the Jews do not accept any of this, and they're still waiting for their Messiah. As a matter of fact, they're already pl- proclaiming their Messiah has arrived. A friend of mine sent me a picture of a billboard in New York City proclaiming that the Jewish... I almost said Meshuggah. Meshuggah is kind of a swear word in Yiddish, meaning you're, uh, you're damned, you're a damned rascal, something like that. Anyway, they, they're putting up these billboards. They already have them in, in Israel, or Kyrgyzstan, I should say. And you know, they're starting to put them up in New York. So any Christian who thinks that they believe that Jesus is Messiah is for the Jews, they are sadly mistaken. They need to educate themselves. And this Hebrew roots movement that thinks that they're by practicing Judaism, they're practicing Mosaism, they better think twice. They are really deceived. They are totally deluded. It's bad enough that Judeo-Christians are, are deluded, but the Hebrew roots movement people, they dress like Jews, they act like Jews. Well, they won't act like Jews because it's not in us to act like Jews. But they think they're acting like Jews. They think they're acting like Israelites. But they're only acting, you know, by the deluded nature that they are accepting from this Talmud, Mishnah, and Gemara. And, of course, the author doesn't talk about the Zohar and Kabbalah, which are also part of Jewish law. They don't want to talk about that too much in public. So, let's continue. So, since they don't have a temple, they can't practice their religion the way they want to. So, that's why they're pushing for a third temple. The author continues. The dinner table replaces the altar, 
Prayer replaces sacrifices. Jewish law was discussed. Yeah, and that, that is uh, curses upon the Goyim. Jewish law was discussed in the Gemara over a 1,000-year period from about 586 B.C. to 500 A.D. The laws don't appear in order due to the meandering nature of the rabbi's conversations. A rabbi from one century might argue with another from an earlier time, but their comments appear side by side as if they are together in the same room. The Gemara represents different perspectives on every issue. Some decisions remain up in the air until Elijah comes to provide a definitive answer. Well, there's no such thing as a Jewish Elijah, so he's not coming. And if and when he does come, he's going to give the Jews a piece of his mind, even before Messiah returns. 12th century physician and philosopher Moses Maimonides a.k.a. the Rambam, compiled a summary of Jewish law in the Mishnah Torah. Now here again, when they use the word Torah, they're talking about Jewish law. They're not talking about biblical law. Joseph Caro, in the 15th century Spain, put together his own separate list. Each of them chose what he liked, what made sense to him, Probably, I would imagine, in the spirit of offering a concise overview, much as I am attempting to do here. Both books omit the nuanced and multifaceted discussion that characterizes the Talmud, leaving us with plain legalism. And this is not the legalism that people often ascribe to the Jews, namely that they originally obeying Mosaic law. The Jews have never obeyed Mosaic law. This is their own legalism, obeying their own law, and some rabbis may not obey the legalism of another rabbi, right? They fight amongst each other as to proper interpretations of Torah and Talmud. So this is the true nature. You know, this this is subtle in terms, if you don't know what's really going on here, that they're actually denying the true Torah of the Bible, and you don't understand this, that you think, well, maybe these rabbis are actually debating what Moses thought, and that occasionally happens in the Talmud. But the the greater bulk, I would say 90 to 99% of the Talmud is nothing but inventions of the rabbis that have nothing to do with the Mosaic Law or or, in fact, contradict it. I see Swamp Fox has put... Uh, oh, right. Oh, thank you, Swamp Fox. Ruth Ginsburg said she consulted the Talmud when ruling on the Supreme Court. Not the Bible. The Talmud, folks. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I knew she would never rule honestly. <laughs> she, uh, she is, after all, a Jew. Okay. And then he uh, quotes from the Aradkinson translation of the Talmud into English. Quote, he says, this is Rodkinson. The Talmud is then the written form of that which in the time of Jesus was called the traditions of the elders. Unquote. 
But Jesus never had anything good to say about the traditions of the elders. He condemned it thoroughly in all four Gospels. And so does Paul. Paul condemns the tradition of the elders as well because that is not Mosaic law. Okay, folks? Are you beginning to understand? But this this article written by this Jew, by this half-breed Jew, is not intended for the Goyim to read and understand. It's only intended for other Jews who really could care less about the Bible. They only follow what their rabbis teach. Let's continue. When people study only the works of Rambam and Cairo, they miss the context. From these men, one might learn how to kosher a plate, K-A-S-H-E-R, maybe arrange a plate, but perhaps not the importance of feeding the hungry. Well, the Talmud is all about rituals and about how to cheat the goyim. That's what the Talmud is really about. Rituals, fairy tales, Jewish fairy tales, and how to cheat the goyim, and how to kill the goyim, and how to violate Torah. According to tradition, Israel was a small tribe under the patriarchs. Uh, Which patriarchs are they talking about? The patriarchs uh, of uh, such as David and Solomon? They're patriarchs. They were kings and patriarchs. How about the judges period? Patriarchs throughout the history of the Old Testament and the New Testament, Israel had a patriarchal structure. So this is a blatantly false statement. Israel was a unless they're talking about until the Babylonian captivity, (laughs) right? But even then, there were huge numbers of Israelites. Oh, I think they're excluding the ten northern tribes that were taken captive way before then, around 900 B.C. So they're not counting those patriarchs who the Jews falsely teach disappeared never to be found again. But we're still here, <laughs> right? And we are discover- we are finding ourselves, which is even more important than whether or not the Jews find us, We are finding ourselves, we are discovering our true identity as Israel in these end times. And that was prophesied about the Israelites that we would forget our identity, but regain it in the end times. And that's exactly what's happening. So anyway, he mentions mentions Solomon here. Okay, let me start this all over again. According to Jewish tradition, Israel was a small tribe under the patriarchs. We lost our freedom in Egypt, sprouted a new nation under Moses and Joshua, and continued as such until the end of Solomon's reign. But the the Israelites numbered in the millions. There had to be uh, close to 60 million Israelites before and and after the, the breakup. And many of those Israelites left and went to Alexandria, Egypt. They sailed to Ireland and England, 
they crossed overland into Europe. I mean, we are we Israelite, we true Israelites outnumber the Jews by probably four hundred to one. But because of their skill at manipulating people and lying to people and unfortunately being believed by people, especially by white people and Christians, they are easily able to manipulate the white race. Because we are, in fact, sheep. We don't assert ourselves like the Jews do. But we will. We will. Uh, The poem... The Wrath of the Awakened Saxon by Rudyard Kipling is a prophecy that we Anglo-Saxons, when we finally figure this out and get angry, (laughs) he concludes that poem with a line, when time will count the date when the Saxons began to hate. We're getting angry, folks. We are starting to get angry. And the Jews are scrambling to maintain their dictatorship over us by trying to prevent our freedom of speech. The more they impose their censorship of government upon us, trying to prevent us from talking about them, the more we resent it, and the more the sheep will turn into the lion, folks. That's what's getting ready to happen. So here... He does equate, as I speculated, he does equate it with the breakup of the kingdom into the you know, ten-tribe uh, northern, northern house and the two-tribe southern house. They do equate it with that. Very interesting. Two, he calls them Jewish states, Israel and Judea. He, do, he doesn't like the word Judah? <laughs> Well, neither of them were Jewish. They were both Israelites. And the Israelites never practiced the Talmud. Absolutely never. Neither did the Judahites. But the Judahites were forced to live under Talmudic rule under Herod. And when the Romans destroyed the temple and scattered both the true Israelites and the Jews... The Jews went one way, and the Judahites went another. That's true history. The Jews basically went back to Babylon and started perfecting their Talmud. As the author mentions here, they began perfecting their oral tradition around 200 AD, but they were continuing to add their oral tradition there in Babylon. Okay, I can't believe that they never wrote any of this down before 200 AD. I think they're just trying to brag that they've got good memories. But it was certainly all there in Babylon, especially their fractional reserve banking system, which is, of course, a violation of Mosaic law. But it's not a violation of Talmudic law. Okay, all you have to do is lay the two side by side and you will see the humongous difference between the two. But Christians never do this and Christian pastors 
do not have the courage to expose it as we do here on Eurofolk Radio. And then here they say, two so-called Jewish states, Israel and Judea, emerged side by side. Israel was lost. No, it wasn't. It was just scattered. Israel was exiled. And Yahweh says that all 12 tribes, Judah, the house of Judah, and the house of Israel, will last forever. More proof that the Jews do not follow the Bible. Okay, that's Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 37, which clearly states that these two houses will live on into the kingdom, all 12 tribes. The two sticks prophecy of Ezekiel says exactly the same thing, that these two houses, which were once separated, will come back together as all 12 tribes united. And that happened at Pentecost in 33 AD. And it will happen again because we've been, the power of the holy people has been scattered around the earth prophesied by Daniel. But we are coming back together, and we have to come back together to be the bride of Christ. So we'd better get cracking and start cracking the whip against our eternal enemy, the perfidious Jew. Let's continue. The term Sadducees comes from the name of Zadok, the first high priest of Solomon's temple, 950 B.C.-ish. Sadducees practiced the religion of Hebraism or Mosaism. I don't know why they don't want to call it Mosaism. That's the proper name. It's the laws of Moses. Hebraism accepts only the five books of Moses. Oh, they don't accept the rest of the Bible, the Old Testament? That's interesting. It discards the prophetic texts and the rabbinic texts, including the Talmud. Now, I think he's only talking about the Sadducees. And this is probably all inaccurate you know, information. Certainly, the Sadducees and the Pharisees had their differences of interpretation of scriptures. But I'm not aware that the Sadducees denied the entirety of the Old Testament, as this author is asserting here. I don't buy that at all. Anyway, the Hebrews didn't believe in resurrection and afterlife or Messiah. Really? Which Hebrews are they talking about? They certainly believed in Yahweh because Moses' father-in-law was a Midianite, Hebrew, And he believed in Yahweh. He actually taught Moses the name of Yahweh because the Israelites had lost it, had to regain it. And he was a practitioner of Yahweh's law. So he had to have Yahweh's laws in some form. So here we see that this is is not nuanced. This is simply plain making statements that are utterly wrong and have no have no historical backing. They did believe in a cult god who punishes in this lifetime, but this is not the universal god of Judaism. Well, Judaism is not the religion of the Bible. The word Judaism was not even invented 
until after the letter J was created. So that word Judaism was not even invented until the 1600s. And then it was imposed. And you won't find that word in the Bible either. It's simply the word the Jews impose on the Bible as being the religion of Moses. So I guess they don't want people really to discuss Mosaism because it's so obvious that Judaism is not Mosaism. The Sadducees didn't believe in direct prayer to God, but in the intercession of the priesthood through the animal and grain sacrifices. Okay, I'm not aware of any such uh, statements I don't think Josephus will verify this. So I think this author is just making this up because Zadok was a high priest of Yahweh. And his followers, which were would have been the, the, the reigning priests even in the days of Yahshua, if they were true to the Mosaic law, would have held sway up until the, t- the destruction of the temple. But as this author does not want to admit, and even Yahweh, Yahweh was the one who destroyed the temple so that those filthy, grubby Jews couldn't practice their version of Torah any longer. That's why that happened. But of course, the Jews won't admit any of this. One more paragraph here before we conclude today. I'm I'm certainly going to continue this next week because we need to understand how the Jewish mind works. Okay? During the first... Oh, wait a minute. When the temple was destroyed in 586 B.C. and the two remaining tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were taken to Babylon, they could no longer worship as Hebrews. That's not true. If you read the books... Of Ezra and Nehemiah, the Judahites were allowed to worship their God using their religion. Ezra and Nehemiah clearly state that the Medes and Persians were friendly to the Judahites. Read those two books for yourselves. So, here, blatant denial of what's contained in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. Rabbinic Judaism emerged from the conditions of exile. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's the uh, the Babylonians, the Sepharvaim, who were living in Babylon, when the Judahites were there, picked up some Torah from these Judahites and said, oh, we can practice that religion too. <laughs> But we won't practice it like they do. We'll practice it our own way. We'll combine the Judahite religion with the Babylonian religion, and we'll call it Judaism. At least they call it, it didn't occur to them to call it Judaism until like 1700 AD, okay? They just called it Talmud or Torah. So folks, you see that this is a combination of subtle deceit and blatant lies coming together, and called Judaism. Let me just finish this one sentence here. I'm going to go a little bit over. While some of our people stayed in the Persian Empire, is he referring to Jews or Judahites? (laughs) Others returned to Judea, and no, the ones who returned to Judea were exclusively Judahites, 
And if they weren't, Ezra and Nehemiah kicked them out. Where they lived under Greek rule and the later Roman authority. Well, it took them, they lived under their own authority and reestablished the Mosaic law and the feast days and the Sabbath, etc., as clearly stated in Ezra and Nehemiah. And it was a golden age of Torah, Mosaic Torah, folks, not Judaism. With a short lived period of independence in between following the Bar Kokhba. Rebellion. Okay, that uh, that's not a well-worded sentence. Okay, Bar Kokhba was much later in New Testament times. So, uh, unless unless he's talking about the rule of the Pharisees, <laughs> right? Maybe that's what he's talking about, the rule of the Pharisees. Okay, all right. It behooves us to learn all we can about the Talmud so that when we confront a Jew about this, we can ask pointed questions. Why does the Talmud not obey Moses? Just that simple question will throw a Jew for a loop because he will not know how to answer it. And if, if you're good, you can have a few choice quotes of where the Jews deviate from the laws of Moses and throw that in their face, okay? They will fear you. They will fear you if you do this. So more power to you. All right, folks. Uh, Mr. Kim Smith quotes Joshua 9.3, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wilily, like Jews, because they were Canaanites, right? And went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses. Maybe that's where their rag, (laughs) their rag and pawn shop business started. And wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clotted upon their feet and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. To pretend... Their Israel. Okay, so this, folks, is the episode where, first time in the Bible, where Canaanites pretended to be Israelites. This is probably where the Jews got the idea from. And they certainly got it later on when King John Hyrcanus imported a bunch of Edomites into the land of Judah and made them citizens of Judah but that did not make them Judahites by race, okay? So we'll continue this next week. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. Good comments in the chat room. Thank you very much. Take care. Yahweh bless everybody. Bye-bye. never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James.
Let's do it. in the chat room that it was a bad signal. Okay. You know, 
and so it's kind of want to put you guys in charge. And I, I told John too. I was like, hey, dude, we're not trying to recruit you, but yeah. it's cool to fucking have different uh, dialects. Sure. You know, like, like he's not gonna recruit you. You're not gonna recruit him. But you know, we can still go to the same place. You know, like right. religion's a fucking it's a weird thing. So yeah. is he, is he still coming from a Catholic perspective? Yes. Okay. Yes, of, of the Orthodox. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the real Catholic. Well, the uh, traditional Catholicism, not the Vatican II Catholicism, which is Jewish, Correct. totally Jewish. So he must understand that. Oh, absolutely. Hey, yeah. He's so anti-Zionism. Oh, very good. Anti-Zionism. You know, and you know, so now we have a common ground. You know? Absolutely. But, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, um, I want to put people in touch with other people, man, so we can crush this uh, this division that we have with religion. You know. Uh-huh. All right. So your identity. Yeah. You know, you both have the same ideas, we both hate the same fucking people, so why can't we work together and make sense? That's right. That's what I'm all about. You know, you know, I'm, I'm here to help free the white race from Jewish, you know, manipulation, right? And right. Uh, I, I don't care what your belief is, you know, we can all agree on that, that we shouldn't be slaves for the Jews, right? Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and when I was talking last night, you called me up, man, and, you know, like... Like, uh, you, yourself, you're my go-to guy. Okay. You know, if anybody needs to talk for religion, I'd rather put them to you than, you know, yeah. not disrespectfully, but not Travis, right. you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you are, like, like a master of knowledge right. with what you do. And John knows the Bible like you do. Okay. But, um, Yeah, the Catholic know, version of it. Yeah, yeah. But okay. he's just coming from a different aspect of it. I'm like, man, dude, you know, we need to merge these people because this whole church right. that he goes to is all white people. Right. You know, and oh, they good. all feel the same nice. way. They hate, they hate the Jews. Right. Good. Good. You know, Fantastic. They're, not, they're not calling themselves racist, though. Right. You know, John is a racist. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, but his people are just anti-Jewish, you know. And yeah. I don't know how That's good. people interpret that. Is that racist? Is it, yeah. Is it not? Anybody yeah, who hates the Jews is a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? It's a star, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Now we can get the ball rolling. Um, right. Uh, so how, how do you want me to do this? Do you want me to text you his number? Uh, and you yeah. give him a call? Because I already said, hey, you yeah. know, when I was talking last night, I talked for like an hour. We were just talking about the old days and shit right. that we've done yeah, as yeah. skinheads, you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, you know, I got, I got a guy who's awesome. Yeah. And um, cool. I'm like... Okay. Right, right. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I used to drive to this place all the time just to hang out or for meetings uh-huh. or whatever. But, you know, like, yeah. I almost think you could, you could switch them. Well, yeah. I'm not, hey, but I'm not asking you to push it. You know? Right, sure, sure. Just, and I don't. You know, I, I don't work that way because that just drives people away. You know, I just keep right, telling right. the truth. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, he's going to figure out because his little church that he's fucking with, uh-huh. you know, I, I guarantee they're short-lived. They're not going to give him what he wants. Right. You know, because he's going to push the anti-Zionism thing right. as far as he can go. And they're going to be like, whoa, dude, you're, yeah. uh, that's too much, man. Just calm down. Oh, he's yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to calm down. Fuck the Jews. Right, yeah. You know, and that's where if you come in the sideline, yeah. you know, like maybe. I, I don't know. Right. But I, I still think you guys have a great conversation. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's possible. Yeah. Exactly. You know, let's nicely have it out on why you believe what you believe in and why I think you shouldn't believe that and, you know, vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I Um, mean, yeah, Catholicism is infinitely preferable to Judaism. (laughs) Right, right. So how do you want me to do this? Well, just, yeah, text text me his name and number and I'll call him, right? Hey, he's up right now. It's only 819. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. it's Saturday, so just give him a quick call and say what's yeah. up. Okay, sounds good. All right. All right, brother. We'll okay, take care. All right, brother. Good night. Right,
Okay.